a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Back Rebels and Imperials to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Matt and Liz. And friends, we are here because of the release of the first season of Tales of the Jedi. This is six short episodes that are all done in the style of, let's say, the Clone Wars or... Um, actually, the Clone Wars is probably the best way to describe it. But a shorter, more condensed version of a Clone Wars story. Three of which focus on Count Dooku three of which focus on Ahsoka Tano. Um, I had not thought too much about this series after it was announced. Like, I I was excited to watch it, etc., etc. But I didn't really think about what types of stories would be told, and so that's where I want to begin. What did you folks think about the sort of the three stories from each character that was told are, are these surprising tales for you were you were you expecting these type of stories let, let's just start there matt you are the clone wars kid on the podcast mm-hmm. here so what what did you think of these first six episodes um i thought oh hey i watched them out of order which i don't 100 percent understand why there was the one ahsoka and then an arc and then ahsoka but i thought they were fantastic and i thought they not only did the cool Star Wars thing of like seeing, you know, a period we hadn't seen before, but I feel like I, for the first time, really understood Dooku as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it really showed a lot of both of their characters and who they really were on the inside. Um, it was gut-wrenching to realize what you had just watched in the Ahsoka trailer. Um, less gut-wrenching for Dooku's story, but you did feel bad because you're like, this guy at one point was on the right side of things. And the people who we hold up as heroes aren't exactly that. So I, I think it was good because it was dark and it was complex and um, nuanced in a way that Star Wars just normally isn't. Liz, what about you? Yeah, I agree with everything Matt said. I think, I like you said, Brian, I didn't really think about the series at all or what it would be about. And I think I saw briefly that these episodes were going to be released. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned watching them all, and I, I didn't realize they were going to be um, perhaps so short in runtime. I, I do like that we focused just on mainly these two characters, on Ahsoka and Dooku. Um, I think it gave us a chance, you know, to see a bit more of, of their stories. I think maybe if I thought anything, I thought um, the stories would be a bit more expansive, um, not so... Um, maybe precise in what they focused on. I, If you asked me who I'd like to focus on in these, I think I would say Ahsoka. I don't know if I would say Dooku, but I really liked that we did focus on Dooku. And I, I think we know so much about these two characters already. So much heavy lifting has been done with their stories 
that the the length of these episodes worked. I like that they were, you know, 14, 18 mm. minutes long. Um, I, it was, I, I think, maybe a, a bit of a unique way to go about telling these stories as well. Yeah, I mean, I've, my 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 first text to you guys was going to be like, warning, these are dark. Because mm. almost every one of these has a really like tough nut to crack as part of the story. Even the one that I would say is maybe the least um, dark would be like the one that's called Practice Makes Perfect, which is about Ahsoka and Anakin training Ahsoka with the clone troopers stunning her. Oh, that's the darkest. But that was that was dark. As you're watching it, you're like, "This is a little bit dark." And then you see the ending, you're like, "Oh shit, this is incredibly dark." Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, (laughs) like, all of them had a really, really a strong undercurrent of of darkness and 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 dread at at the center of them. Mm -hmm. And I find that so strange because. I mean, look, I, I'm not complaining. I think these were excellent. I hope they do 10 seasons of these with mm-hmm. different characters in the focus. I'm not I'm not desecrating the series at all. I just feel like Star Wars oftentimes really tries to balance the dark with the light, pardon the pun there. But, like, this is, this is about as downcast as we've seen Star Wars since maybe Revenge of the Sith? Yeah. Yeah, it made me think when I was And watching... this showed the darker side of that film. Yes, exactly, yes. Sorry, Liz, you were saying. No, it made me think of, I thought of, and not to always bring it back to Star Trek, but it made me think of how, with earlier Star Trek, there was a definitive tone to, you know, the original series to um next gen to deep space nine to voyager and with the newer shows like discovery uh picard there's a there's a very different tone overall you knew what you were getting with the older series and here i i feel like with tales of the jedi um even when we're talking about andor i feel like these shows have a very different tone to them there's sort of a, a line maybe where things do feel a bit different mm-hmm. similar to how how that sort of happened with star trek as well yeah i think that's a really good um a really good way to describe this so i do want to go episode by episode here um but i wanted to sort of get the overall feelings first so first up we have life and death which is ahsoka as a baby um i am like legit so <laughs> I texted Matt and Liz yesterday. I was like, warning, Amelia, my daughter, sobbed through the first episode. Um, <laughs> she cannot deal with animals. She's been a vegetarian since she was three. Like, this is, she's just, she doesn't do animal death very well. And I was surprised at, not, I mean, look, people hunt in media all the time. But not only do they show Ahsoka's mom, like, you know, lining up a scope and taking out this animal. But then also when it didn't, when it wasn't a kill shot, she also just straight up stabs the thing, mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty dark. That's a lot for Star Wars, yeah, especially for an animated thing, ostensibly it, it meant is. for children. <laughs> it is, and I was thinking about it because I I'm with Amelia. I I can watch. I mean, obviously some. Uni- 
human deaths upset me, but animal deaths always upset me more. I guess people get their arms chopped off. Yes. But I was thinking back to when um, her mother and Ahsoka were walking into the forest, and I forget her mom's exact words, but she talked about honor, honoring and valuing nature. And and I know it, it was tough to watch those two steps of killing the animal. I know it wasn't a deer. I forget what it was called. But the idea, too, that, you know, her mother talks about how there's going to be so much food for everyone with this animal as well. It's sort of, you know, this give and take relationship between humans and nature. You still value what nature gives you. Yeah. But it was dark. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that episode, we we see a little bit of Ahsoka's um, force powers coming out, you know. Um, she's able to tame that tiger-ish beast and ride it back into town. Um, Matt, does this... I, I can't remember. I know that there are certain Jedi that have, like, stronger skills with animals. Was that mm-hmm. something that Ahsoka displayed? I can't remember offhand. No, it's not... From my recollection, it's not an Ahsoka thing. It's um, Anakin and Ezra both... Mm-hmm have that but it really was never a piece of her um character story i wasn't sure if that was just me misremembering it or not i do think it's an interesting way to i mean it also could be something that all jedi have in some form Mm -hmm. but you know um we we haven't seen ahsoka display it necessarily yet um but yeah i thought that that was i think that's probably my least favorite of the six episodes and not that it was bad, it just, the other ones were all quite good. I also thought it didn't really fit the tone as well, and again was oddly out of order. And I don't know why it wasn't two, three episode arcs, because I was like, oh, timeline-wise. I'm like, wait, no, that they're not chronological, because unless Qui-Gon had a really bad couple of years, like... <laughs> It from Ahsoka being born, it's she would have been born somewhere in like episode after the second episode. So I don't, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Maybe there's something bigger that I don't see. I wasn't sure why it was ordered the way it was either. That's it. It is pretty strange to consider, like why they started with that Ahsoka episode and then did three Dooku's in a row and then two Ahsokas. Yeah. But that's okay. Let's talk about the first Dooku episode though. This one was called Justice, and um, there's a senator's son who is kidnapped, and Dooku and Qui-Gon Jinn are going to um, to rescue him. They're doing it somewhat on the sly. It's not like a Republic-approved mission, and they find that the son is being treated well by these uh, captors and that he is somewhat sympathetic to their, their cause, and we see... Qui-Gon and Dooku have very different approaches to handling the situation. Um, Liz, have you ever read The Shining? I haven't read it. I have seen the movie. Okay, so in the book The Shining, it takes a very long time for you to realize that Jack Torrance is crazy, whereas in the movie, Jack Nicholson looks nuts from the first um, the first like second you see him. And I was wondering if this felt like Dooku was too prone to anger early on or if you felt that this 
didn't spoil his uh, not spoil. You understand what I'm saying? Like, this, w- did this show enough of his turn, or was this too? He's already half a Sith by the time we meet him. You mean with the with the choking part, the force? Yes, choke? yeah, yeah, with the force choking, just just sort of his general like cold demeanor. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, no. I don't. I, I go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. I, was Matt. Like, I, I don't. Uh, it showed, I guess, if you want to use the Jedi Council's ideas, he's too passionate. Because I don't sure. think there, that that was cruelty as much as protection. Right. Um, and we really see it in the next episode, too, this idea that Dooku has such a desire to do the right thing, not the thing you're told to do. Um, it's really, really, really interesting to see how that is so easily moldable into something evil um yeah Mm. had we seen a non-sith force choke yet yes that's what i was wondering where where do we see that matt luke skywalker oh yes yes walking to the Jabba's palace yeah that did Uh that didn't become dark side until i think more like um Extended universe started drawing those lines between things like that, but yeah, yeah, we see Luke do it. Hmm. Totally forgot about that. Good call. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, my my one critique was just I felt that and I know that Dooku as a character is a very stoic character. He reminds me. Um, I know he was played by uh, top five all time actor Christopher Lee in the films. He almost is Alan Rickmany here. Like, uh, think of uh, Snape from uh, mm-hmm. Harry Potter, you know, and I just think that the coldness of him kind of reflects on, like, the coldness of Mace Windu a little bit um, in just the Jedis that aren't warm and fuzzy. Like, when you meet Qui-Gon in um, Phantom Menace, you get the sense that he cares about you. You know, you, I don't think I don't think Dooku was giving anybody off at the... Uh, anybody like oh that's that's a fun guy vibe you know when he met anybody (laughs) he's just he's just very cold i I wonder if if his coldness maybe sort of suggests his his turn to the dark side i don't know is this the first non-sith dooku we've had because i know you've read some books with him in it well i'm glad you brought that up i have that on my notes here there is a really good it was produced only as an audiobook and it's called Dooku Jedi Lost, and it tells the story of Dooku and Sifo Dyas, who is the person who started the clone army on. Um, uh, why am I blanking on the name? And I'm also about to sneeze. What is the name of the planet? Camino. Camino. But thank you can't you. you can't find it on a map though. No, and we see why in a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, there's a uh, in that book. He comes off very much the same way, just like this very impressive but but potentially too cold Jedi. Mm. I'd highly recommend that, by the way, to anybody who is interested in Star Wars. Um, not because it's not an audio book in the sense of there is one narrator; it's a full cast recording. 
Ooh, it's what, on a radio it? play. It's very, oh. very, very much worth your time. What's the name of it? Uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. Yeah, it's very, very good. Nice. Um, and and it, and it 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 really doesn't touch on too much of Dooku as a Sith. It really, I mean, it, it does a little bit, but it's it's really a lot of it is about Dooku as a as a Jedi. Um, I would pair that with the um, the novel and a now again. I really need to take better notes of this. Um, it's called. Hang on, I need to look it up. There's a novel where, um, it was an unproduced series of Clone Wars episodes that was turned oh, into that, a novel. Uh, Dark, Dark Disciple. Dark, Dark Disciple. Disciple. Yes, and that is that is about Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss and Dooku. Also, I would say if you read those two novels. You get a really good sense of who Dooku is, but Matt, what were you going to say about Dooku as as a Jedi here? Oh, I just, it was very interesting to see him. Not because by the time we see him, a he's on screen for six minutes, um, and b he's the same kind of like wormy GI Joe villain Sith that we see again and again, like he. He feels like a nothing character in the films, and he is just kind of an egomaniac in the Clone Wars. This is the first time that I really was intrigued by him. I'm very interested to see more of him as a Jedi and the way that he rubs the Council the wrong way in the same way that we love when... Um, Qui-Gon does it. Qui-Gon right? does it, yeah. and you see where he gets it from. It's, I mean, it's very much a master and apprentice situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the next episode, which again is another Dooku episode called Choices. And uh, my first note here is that only Siths and Mace Windu speak in absolutes. Like, <laughs> in this episode... Um, he is just Mace Windu is just he does not he wants to do every single thing by the book and we get the sense that Dooku is a little bit more interested in the gray area there. Mm-hmm. Um and it makes me wonder if if he had not been seduced by the dark side, if he would have eventually wound up leaving the Jedi anyway. Hmm. Because of the sort of conflict he has with, with taking orders. Yeah, yeah, because we see he—he's what's interesting about he's not willing to turn a blind eye. We see that where he's not willing to walk away from the suffering planet just because it's under Senate rule. He's not willing to let the murder of a Jedi just fall to the wayside because the politics don't suggest they should investigate it um and 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 he in the same exact way where mace windu for the sake of the council is willing to turn a blind eye to the idea that you know there are sith and the jedi's power have been diminishing so it i think that was a cool pairing i've never really thought about the two of them paired against each other yeah 
No, never. And it's interesting to see how Windu is rewarded for towing the party line, even though it's ostensibly the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes, you know, Dooku a more sympathetic character in these episodes. Yeah, and if you want to think really big picture, Mace Windu's blind loyalty to the Council and the Senate does as much, if not more, to solidify Palpatine's rise to power than Dooku does. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say this is in the running for my least favorite of the episodes as well. Not because, again, it was bad. I thought the the other two Dooku episodes were much stronger than this one was. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. And so let's get to that third Dooku episode called The Sith Lord. And this, first of all, takes place during The Phantom Menace, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. We see uh, Dooku deleting Kamino from the archives. We see um, Yaddle. (laughs) Yeah, good old Yaddle. Voiced by Star Wars director Bryce Dallas Howard um, Uh in in this version. And we had only seen Yaddle in... I want to say it's in The Phantom Menace, right? Mm-hmm. Is it in a deleted scene, or is it in the actual... No, she she's she's on the council. That's what I thought. Yeah, and then she exists in some extended universe stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is the next time we've actually seen her. Has With she... a different colored lightsaber than she normally has, but that's oh. okay. Oh, what color was it normally? Uh, orange. Huh. And it was green mm-hmm. here, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Has she spoken before? No, and <laughs> I <laughs> okay. So she can speak fine mm-hmm. and can walk and move fine. Is what's wrong with Yoda? Like, there's clearly something wrong with him. Is is Yoda much older than Yaddle? I don't know. They all look like the female gremlin. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that Yoda is probably considerably older than Yaddle, which explains why he's sort of more run down, but yeah. not why he speaks like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if he's, you know, speaking Middle English instead of Modern English. You know, I don't know what's uh, what's happening here. Yeah, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. the real conundrum. We just need Baby Yoda to, to say one thing to clear it up. <laughs> yeah, well, that was an interesting thing too. Is going from like. Everyone's dying love of Baby Yoda, uh, um, and then being like, "Oh, here's another Yoda character," and watch what happens. It was an interesting, uh, yeah. It's interesting that Dooku has that we only know of three of these species, and Dooku's fought two of them. <laughs> True. <laughs> this would be like if somebody fought, you know, billions of humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's funny yeah i didn't even think of that he's a real magnet for uh... yeah, exactly for whatever <laughs> these people are called um but my my one note about this is that i think they didn't age dooku enough because dooku had a rough decade between killing yaddle and being killed himself Mm-hmm. Like they they need I think he needed some more gray in that beard before this but I, that's a it's a minor quibble 
I thought this episode was excellent. I thought that the stuff with him and Yaddle was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And um, again, they weren't afraid to lean into the darkness here. No. Yeah, I, I had the same. I wrote heartbreaking here too because I, I felt like it was typical Star Wars where you think Yaddle has died and she she return. She, she's not dead. She she uses the Force. She's alive. But then it's almost worse the way Dooku kills her when she's defenseless. It's mm-hmm. very dark. I thought we were going to see his lightsaber turn red, but I guess that's not. Mm. I thought there was going to be like the act that solidifies him as um, evil. Because right. I guess at that point, I guess he would become Sith because uh, Maul is dead. Right. He so. becomes the apprentice. He becomes the apprentice. He he only wants to bring peace and order to the galaxy, is what he told Yano. Just here's my question: Do we believe him with that? I think maybe that's what he thought originally. Yeah, I don't I know. I think if, that's what it began as. Yeah, I'm not sure that's totally where he's at now, but that's I I think he was altruistic in the beginning. But I'm not sure that's where he is right now. But perhaps that is what he needs to continue to tell himself. Uh-huh. And I think I feel like somewhere along the line, he realizes that the only way the universe can run is through a strong-handed leader, and believes that that leader should be him, not Palpatine. Well, that's that's a sort of a key point of being a Sith, right? Is that you're always in it for yourself, even when you're the apprentice mm-hmm. of someone else. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here is my sort of big picture Dooku question. Here, we know that at the end of his life, Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, repents, and we know that Dooku was not given the same chance to repent that Anakin was given. Do you think that he was too far gone? By what we've seen here, or do you think he could have possibly, um, like, you know, where do we, if he was given another six months to live, would he have repented? How much time passes between now and when he dies? A a decade, more, almost a little bit more than a decade. I mean, Vader gets to repent in the last three minutes of his life, so I feel like there's not really hard and fast rules of it, but I I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I was going to say yes, because he seems pretty altruistic in the beginning here, mm-hmm. but Darth Vader also has the emotional connection with his son, Luke. That I don't know if Dooku would have that emotional connection with anyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think unfortunately he did with Qui Gon. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he was already on this path before Qui Gon's death, though. But I, I fully think that Qui Gon would have followed him down this path, and I think that was Dooku's intent. Yes. Do you think that Qui-Gon would have gone as extreme as Dooku did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. 
don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I know. And he's willing to steal a child from his mother on the off chance that he is a force god. I think he, like, morality doesn't play into it in his head. It's the ends always justify the means. Fair. Mm. See, I think that the difference between Qui-Gon and Dooku is I think that Dooku is more concerned with the galaxy and Qui-Gon is more concerned with the Jedi Order. And I think there's a difference there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if... um, I think that that could have been handled differently by each of them. Yeah. Uh, I think Qui-Gon's concerned with the... um, the overall force. Because I don't think he could give a shit about the Jedi as an entity. Sure. But the the larger idea of the force and whatever it exists in his head, I think, yeah. that That is his overarching drive. But yet, yeah, Dooku, it is about, um, I don't know, peace, power, order. Because um, again, as we've talked about many a times, even though the um, wow, not the the separatists are seen as the bad guys, in a lot of ways they um, at least start with the right intentions. Um, they have some really bad actors involved in it, but a lot of the worst people, like um, the Trade Federation, who we see you know starve Naboo to death. They were doing the same thing when they were with the Republic, right. and the Republic didn't care. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, it's that gray area that Star Wars doesn't normally touch that I think was what made this so compelling, is thinking about these types of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, up next we have Practice Makes Perfect, the aforementioned Ahsoka episode where she is training to... Um, basically, Anakin says... I watch. He he is so afraid of her dying because of his connection to her and his attachment to her that he orders Rex and a bunch of troopers to set their blasters to stun and to see how long she can go without being tagged by one of them. And when you think about how shitty it is to be a clone trooper, realize that she is knocked out for an hour each time here. <laughs> and so, like they these guys. Around. These guys have to just sit around and, you know, shoot the shit for seven, eight hours during this Mm -hmm. exercise. Um, But um, as I said before, this one, you see it flashes forward to a scene we've seen before from the finale of the Clone Wars where Rex captures Ahsoka and pretends that he is still that he is following Order 66 as well. And the episode was just really, really dark and, and heartbreaking. Uh, Liz, what'd you think of this episode? I this episode, I enjoyed this episode. This might have been my favorite one out of the six. Um, I'm still not sure. So let's talk about them a bit. I, I the thing that I thought was interesting is a lot of times we'll watch shows with various training montages, and I think we always think what is going on is is fine. It's a means to an end. Um, It's making someone stronger, someone tougher. But the way in which this episode was written, set up, there was a point where I really questioned, 
you know, what, what, what was happening. And I was like, oh, this is pretty fucked up. And then, you know, there is the point where Anakin, you know, tells Ahsoka he wants to make sure she makes it out of whatever situation she's in. And I'm like, all right. But then also in my mind, I'm like, well, that's still pretty fucked up that she's always going to be in situations like that. Well, yes. But but also, I guess that's the nature of Star Wars. Right. <laughs> um. But I, I thought it was neat because I think this might have been the shortest episode, but I, I, I felt like I thought... This episode made me think about a lot of things, maybe question a few things that are maybe, um, I just uh, integral to uh, Star Wars to various uh, I don't know media that I do watch. Um, I I thought it was a great episode, and I liked the end. I know you mentioned the ending. I, I really liked the ending too, and it was like it was sort of an episode like an abrupt ending. I, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Matt, what about you? Yeah. No, I, I liked it a lot as well. I think it was a really, obviously, a, uh, a gut-wrenching Ahsoka episode, um, but also it was an interesting Anakin episode, because I think it is, I, in retrospect, maybe the um, the pathway we should have gone down to see his fall to the dark side, because Anakin, at first, I didn't even watching it only as we talked about do i really understand like why he seems so mad at ahsoka in that moment is he's really just mad at himself because he knows he's not strong enough to protect her yep and the last thing he can imagine is her dying um it's the padme thing yeah it, it he it's he is willing to hold on so tight that he will kill the things he is holding on to um which is the I think much more relatable path forward to the dark side rather than a lot of the kind of emo tropes that they throw around. So seeing that was really interesting. Um, and also just seeing that how this clicked in with her having to fight these people that trained her to fight them and loved her. And she loved them, and seeing that turn um, was heart wrenching. And we get to see a little baby Caleb Dune, right? Is I that believe that cameo? So. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was. Um, as I said, this this to me showed that while Padme was a part of Anakin's downfall, this was who he was, regardless of Padme. Mm-hmm. The fear of losing someone, the the excessive attachment, you know, he would have failed as a Jedi no matter what. And I think that's actually a really interesting thing to explore because I don't think we've ever really seen that idea discussed before, have we? No, I don't. You know, it just seems like no, I, it just yeah. seems like everything with him has been that his love for Padme was what brought him down, mm-hmm. and that you know attachments and all of that was the byproduct of his of his feelings about Padme. But actually, no, his feelings for Padme are a byproduct about the way he gets attached to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because some old man stole him from his mother. <laughs> he was not. Uh, there to protect her she was 
raped to death by um, the indigenous people of Tatooine, which is kind of effed up, um, that portrayal. But, uh, and he continues to try and protect everyone around him from there forward, yeah. And it's such an easily exploitable um, thing. Yeah. And it is... um, I don't want to spoil anything for Liz, but that connection is one of the only things we ever see shake through Darth Vader. That is, like, the only thing we see bring back Anakin um, is that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's such a powerful character. I'm glad they're continuing to work with her. Yeah. Then we get our final episode, Resolve, another Ahsoka episode. This one begins at Padme's funeral, which again, like, <laughs> keep hitting the darkness, all right? Just like there, 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 is, <laughs> there is no letting up from this uh, throughout this entire episode. But um, yeah, we get some good Bal Organa and Padme moments. And Bal is one of those characters that I feel like is is having a moment in 2022 between <laughs> um, seeing him in Obi-Wan and seeing him here. And I feel like it's only a matter of time before he shows up on Andor because of just the early mm. days of the Rebellion stuff. You know, um, it is just a... Uh, it, it, it's just it's the year of Bale, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, I thought that this was an excellent episode at showing showing both the depths of Ahsoka's disconnection from, quote, the fight, as um, Maz Kanata calls it in The Force Awakens, just like this, she she has to walk away from everything at a certain point. And we see that, and then we also see how eventually she she has to come back to it. And I really liked that um, arc. I also don't know if either of you guys realized that that one... Um, farm boy was clearly modeled after Chris Pine, like hmm. looked a lot like Chris Pine. Huh. Go back and watch it. It it will do. I checked <laughs> to make sure it wasn't his voice. I thought maybe they got him to do a voice and then made him a character because of that, but no. I mean, young young Captain Kirk. <laughs> yes, yes, young Captain Kirk. Um, or Steve Trevor from Wonder Woman, or as some people call him, the good Chris. <laughs> yeah, because he seems like less of a shithead than uh, Chris Pratt and Chris Evans. So, mm-hmm. uh, what did you guys think of this episode? Uh, I I liked it. Um, it I liked that it had very much had the um, samurai feel of the original Star Wars in it, um, and I think gave a very succinct explanation to how ahsoka moves into being fulcrum like we hadn't seen that we had assumptions and it didn't need to be something crazy convoluted that was good and i think it's one of the simplest ways to move a story forward that star wars has ever stumbled upon so (laughs) i liked it yeah I liked it too. Um, I, for the reasons Matt mentioned, I, I also like when we include some 
for lack of a better term, maybe regular people, you know, the farmers were discussing politics, their points of view. Obviously, there was a reason for that, the plot of the episode. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously, I don't know everything about Ahsoka's arc yet. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting to see her at this point as well. Uh, I liked seeing her easily slaying that pompous inquisitor. Yes. Like, I will slay you. And she's like, uh, just give me your, give me your lightsaber. I yeah. got this. Yeah. A, a, a totally unarmed Ahsoka just whips his ass. <laughs> yeah. And then those lightsabers become a very crucial piece of her story moving forward. So it really, it really sprinkled a lot of the Ahsoka storyline in, you know, a fifteen-minute episode. It did, yes, and I think it also shows that at a certain point, there's nothing you can do to escape what you're meant to do, mm-hmm. and Ahsoka's meant to be part of this fight. Yeah. I also just realized that, <clears throat> aside from a couple of other Rebels characters. Ahsoka's the only major character from the pre-sequel trilogy that we don't know how her story ends. Um, Every yeah. single character from the Clone Wars, we know how it ends. Mm-hmm. We know how all the major characters from the from the original trilogy how their stories end. I guess not the droids, but fuck the droids. Like, you know, I mean, what <laughs> Chewbacca's story continues on infinitum. So. Well, I mean, in the in the oldest of the universe, he was crushed by a moon. Don't forget. <laughs> yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lobaka. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just you know, she's just. I I love how unwritten her character's arc is. You know, we're gonna be seeing new Ahsoka stories soon, and mm-hmm. there's there's really no cap to what those can be. And I think she, she like rides this interesting line of being such an integral part of the star Wars story. Like, um, like I talked about in the Mandalorian where she was joking with Luke about how alike his father he was because she's literally the only person that knew Anakin and now is still alive. Right. Yeah. Um, and she also is far enough away from the central Skywalker storyline of it that you can do a whole lot with her in that kind of open space between the, you know, trilogies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This was, uh, I really had a lot of fun with this. Uh, What about you guys? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I did too. Right after I finished episode six, I Google to see how many episodes there were and then it was like there are six episodes (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh okay well (laughs) yeah I liked it I mean a lot like I why I enjoyed um, I mean many reasons why I enjoyed Destinies but just having a an idea a story distilled down into 15 minutes um, just works I agree 100% these worked really well no yeah. filler droids, no mm-hmm. I was gonna say no no cutesies, but there were those little like loth puppies. So yes. you can even have cutesies in these, you know, that's yeah. fine. They were adorable. 
Mm-hmm. I I wonder if these were ideas that Dave Filoni wanted to explore in the in the Clone Wars and never got a chance to, and that is where this came from, or if these are new mm. ideas he had. Mm. I mean, it seems like they need to do more of these, right? Yeah, and I think yeah. the the fact that they called them season one, I I'm interested in who the other characters are going to be, though. Well, That's... if it's Tales of the Jedi. I feel mm-hmm. like you you have a somewhat limited scope of who you can tell stories about, but mm-hmm. you could do some really cool like Luke training new Jedi stories. Mm-hmm. You could do some Rey as a Jedi stories. That's you what go- I was wondering. You think this is where we're going to see Rey? Well, I don't know if you folks saw the news this week or not, but Damon Lindelof of Lost and the Leftovers and Watchmen fame is going to be co-writing a new Star Wars film that takes place after the events of Rise of Skywalker. Oh. And are supposedly going to have at least a couple of the sequel trilogy characters in it. Interesting. So, yeah, I'm curious as to which characters it will be. Yes, that is that is certainly going to be the uh, the question for me. I think mm-hmm. this might be where we see some Ray stuff, though. And I think that these are great stories to tell because you can... You can leave enough space within these stories to not kill a potential future movie, right? Like mm-hmm. it can just be a it can just be a really simple short story. I also wonder if this is how we get like some of the characters that will appear in that show The Acolyte, which takes place in the High Republic era. Mm. Maybe we get some of those stories. I, I don't know if you want to do all stories that are from characters we know and love, or if you want to introduce some new Jedi and tell those stories, both in the mm-hmm. past or in the future. I don't know. There's a lot to be done here. Yeah. It's exciting. It is exciting. And with Visions coming back next year, I think oh. it just shows us that there's going to be, you know just different types of Star Wars stories. Mm-hmm. And that's the best. That's what we yeah. want. I like these. And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You could bank enough of these to have one come out every two weeks instead of just throwing them all on at once and just have a nice little trickle of stuff come out throughout the whole year. But maybe that's not economically feasible i don't know why the live action stuff is episode by episode but all the animated stuff is dumped at once yeah Hmm. like this was clearly too many (laughs) seasons right they didn't need to be a interspliced for some reason and b thrown all at once right yeah it's uh it's it it's a strange way to deliver them for sure. But I'm glad they got delivered. I am too. Yes. All right, folks. Thank you for joining us today. We'll return in a few weeks with uh, the wrap-up of the next three episodes of Andor. And until then, remember, the Force will be with you always. 